You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week Podcast, episode 566, brought to you by Harry's. Go to harrys.com right now and enter code iFanboy at checkout to claim your free trial set and post-shave bomb. That's harrys.com, code iFanboy. And iFanboy listeners just like you. the iFanboy Pick the Week Podcast, episode 566. I'm Ron Richards, alongside Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And Josh Flanagan. Hello. We're back at it. 2017. 11 <laughs> years. Year 11. <laughs> we, Is it year 12? Well, year 11 of the podcast. Year 12 of... of no, year 12 of the podcast. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, my head hurts. Years. Year 16. Year 16 of, of iFanboy, which is where we are from, where every week we read a stack of comics, and one of us picks our favorite book, and we call that Pick of the Week. We talk about that comic book, plus other books from the week. We also hear from you, the patrons, and your Pick of the Week. And if we have some time, we're going to read some of your, read listen to some of your feedback via email or voicemail. Uh, no matter what, it's always fun. Uh, quick warning in advance, if you're a new listener in 2017, there will be spoilers. We'll be talking about what happens in the books, in the movies, in the TV shows, in the major holidays. We're going to spoil <laughs> everything, um, except the milk. Uh, so make sure you just exercise some caution. Uh, this week, Connor had the pick. Connor kicking us off into the new year. Take it away. So I had a lot of fun reading comics, not only this week, but the uh, whole vacation. We had, I think, three weeks worth of comics that we yep. didn't talk about on the show. A lot. Is that, what, is that what it's like for people who don't do podcasts? They just sit and read and enjoy at their own leisurely pace and Apparently. don't cram them all in on Wednesday and Thursday? Is that how it works? Um, but I really no, enjoyed it. that's not how they work. <laughs> this, this week, um, I actually had a, re- a bunch of books I really liked. I could have had four or five picks of the week. I actually came down to a, ma- a game of inches when I finally made the choice, but I kept coming back to Nova number two from Jeff Loveness and Ramon Perez and Ian Herring and Albert Deschenzny. And uh, we were a little iffy on the first issue, but I loved everything about this issue. I read it very early on in the stack, and I just kept thinking about it. Nope, this that was the best one. And uh, it wasn't until the very, very end where it came down to it. But I, I loved it. This is Rich Ryder. And at the end of the first issue, um, Sam Alexander, the, the current little Nova, found Rich Ryder, the original Nova, and this is the issue where he brings him back to Earth and introduces him to life in the Marvel Universe that he's missed since he's been dead. And I thought this was sort of... I wasn't even a big Nova Guardians of the Galaxy fan like you two guys were, you know, from the uh, Abnett Landing days from however many years ago that was. And I imagine as that as a fan of that stuff, you probably enjoyed this on a different level than I did, but I thought this was just terrifically fun Marvel Comics. There's a couple a couple of things that play. I, I agree with you that this was better than the first issue. Um, at least mm-hmm. felt stronger than the first issue. Um, I, there's one specific kind of area of meta commentary that Josh already jumped the gun and talked about on social media that we'll, that I'll get to in a moment, or, or I'll let Josh explain. Um, but as a Richard Ryder fan, I thought that this was a good entry point into cover the gap between where he's been gone. Um, mm-hmm. I think Ramon Perez is, again, like, I think he's an amazingly talented artist, and uh, I do think he's better than Nova, but I'm enjoy- I am enjoy what he's putting out with this. Um, 
and uh, and you really like Nova. I really like Nova. Yeah. Yeah. But so I mean, w- w- one of my biggest hangups though is that I read the entire. I've read every every issue Sam Alexander of the Sam Alexander's Nova before this. I've I read his origin and AVX, all this sort of stuff. Is he always Hispanic? Yes. Okay. Yes. So okay, they they just didn't play that up as much as they're playing it up here. I knew he was in the South Pacific. I knew he was in the Pacific, the Southwest. I knew it was, you know, Arizona or whatever. But to point, you know, like, oh, like this word balloons all in Spanish. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I could, be, I, I could be projecting. I mean, like, maybe I'm getting him mixed up with Blue Beetle, but no, I, I don't know. Maybe I've never read been, He's always been Latino. It's... But other than that, uh, yeah, I thought this was a lot better. Josh, I'll let you uh, talk about the other piece. You know, I was actually really surprised that this was pick of the week because I kind of read it. I read it because like I didn't really love the first issue, you know, and and I was like, well, it's Ramon Perez, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna read it, you know, and and I and I got to the end, I was like, that was way better than the first issue, and and I think a lot of it was that like, I don't know, they gave me something, they gave us something, like a, a foothold into sort of the Marvel that was familiar by having Rich Rider show up and having basically a conversation about like then versus now which which i enjoy basically and 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 it's i put up there was one panel that i said this you know this explains my entire relationship with marvel with mainstream comics and it was just you know it was uh cyclops and and uh young girl vision introducing themselves to rich rider and he's just like this is stupid and 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 and, and they're like and and they're like you're just old and i was like fair enough and (laughs) And so I was like, well, that was great. Like, I, I well, didn't even the, finish the book before I posted it. I just went, well, that one panel's brilliant. It was one of those, okay, yeah, the way, if you've got, you got a pick of the week panel, that's the one. The way, yeah, the way they handled it was basically, you know, with, with Nova introducing him to the other champions and Cyclops explaining why he's the young, like, and, and just distilled it, everything that's wrong with comics now down to that. See, I think that's, I think it's everything, I think it's everything that's right about comics. True, yeah, I yeah, that, yeah. I think the way they handled it, it's like yeah. none of this makes any sense, and he's been dead, and whatever. And yeah. that's why I, I loved the scene with him and the champions. I thought yeah, that, was that was really, really, really fun. I think, I mean, yeah, it's crazy, and yeah, we're old, and we don't, we, we, we'd rather have our old characters back. But this is the sort of the way it is, and we have to deal with it. And it's, well, that was that was the thing. I put that panel up, and people were like, "Yeah, that is everything that's wrong." And I was like, "That's not how I read it. I didn't read it that it was everything that was wrong. It was." the old person is like, why is this different? And they're like, I don't know, but it is. And you have to deal with it because you're old. Yeah. And that's kind of how I look at it. Like if they're not for me, okay, they're not for me. But I thought that this was a nice gateway that sort of brought together, you know, I, I really, really liked Rich Rider in this. And I liked Rich Rider with yes. Sam Alexander in this. Yeah. Um, I liked that it referred back to Armageddon, you know, where they're kind of like, yeah, that was a really big deal. The scene in the, in the nowhere, you know, when all the people in the bar toast him, you know, like that was beautiful. That was that was great. Well, that, know, that, for, that was great. Like, I also I also thought the and by the way, I just looked it up and it turns out Sam's mother was speaking Spanish in the Jeff Loeb run. So my bad. I just don't yeah. remember. I don't remember. It was it was issue three. So a while ago. Yep. Anyway, but um, the uh, I thought uh, Rich dealing with the fact that he's back and he's just like so nothing's changed. He's yeah, like I, I, yeah. yeah. I, I like think that. That was really that was also really I thought poignant and kind of sad and like imagine you're like the groundhog day of these superheroes life uh, superhero lives that they're being put into where he fought what he felt as if was the most important battle of the cosmic universe fighting Thanos saving the universe and he's like and it just doesn't matter like nobody remember, and no one knows no, what it no, is no one and knows what it is no one remembers and Thanos is back like that that's, uh, yeah. that's what yeah. I liked about I thought this worked on a lot of levels I thought it was funny. Yeah. 
thought the champion scene was fun. I thought that that stuff you just talked about him being a nowhere was poignant. I didn't even read those stories. Yeah. Right. But the idea that you come back and the, the big battle that you gave your life for the the, the thing that, the ultimate thing you can give uh, didn't mean anything, and that yeah. was that that was that was very poignant. Um, in the context of these comics that keep churning, and there's always another event and. He's like, well, a lot of stuff's happened since then, so we don't really talk about Annihilation. And he's like, well, that sucks. I died for it. So it's. Right. I thought there was a lot of really great stuff, and I thought the Ramon Perez art was better than the last issue. Yep. And realize he's on a was... monthly superhero grind here, and he's not able to to do what he does in his in the in his independent stuff. But I thought there was a lot of really interesting panel work. I like the way he. I like the way the two Novas look. Um, yeah, a lot. And also, he's credited as writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're co-doing co- it. Yeah, which I think is yeah, great. So, so yeah, you so know, this if is, you have I, to have him on Nova. You know, this was a step up. Yeah. Um, it, it basically like it, it towed the line between a lot of um, comic tropes and also recognizing those, but doing that in a sort of subtle way. I mean, it was the classic sort of like two superheroes meet up. Do they have to fight? You know, what's going on now? I'm confused. And then sort of talking about this meta context of. Of superhero comics, but right. in a in a different way, I guess it wasn't a hit you over the head conversation at all. No, yeah, but, I mean, what, what I think is, I, I think if anything, what I find, um, as I'm like reflecting back on last year and looking forward to this year, and especially with the state of com, there's a lot of talk about the state of comics and all this sort of stuff, and. You know, they're deaf, and we're going to talk about it with some with some of the other books this week. But there, you know, and we've already talked about it. The the youngening of the Marvel universe. And what I think is is interesting is that you know I applaud them for um, you know not only introducing new characters but uh, creating new situations and and creating new kind of you know different stories than what we've been reading up to this point. But up to this point, they've been doing it in a vacuum, and I think that's what's been bugging me, a lifetime Marvel reader, off. And this honestly is the only comic I can think of in a, in a long time that is acknowledging both the youngening of the Marvel universe and the fact that there's a legacy. Mm-hmm. And as, I don't know. That, I don't know that Marvel is as good with legacy as DC is. Well, DC's almost. Well, I would say well, I say DC's it, almost it, too good with legacy past. in the past. In the past. Right? Yeah, yeah. It, you mm-hmm. know, previous to the last six or seven years, one thing you could you couldn't argue is that DC did a really good job. With, they've, they've been doing it for fifty years since the, yeah. since the Silver Age of dealing with weaving legacy into their stories. Yeah, Marvel never really did that. They've been doing it, or they've been trying to do it, and it's been very ham-handed. And that's, I think, been the problem. Yeah. Uh, but here, it's, hand- it's being handled really well. Yeah. Did, uh, did, I mean, like, the, the, the point of the youngening, which I would like to use a lot, by the, the way. The youngening. Sure. The, yeah, the be youngening. Um, you got it. That's to bring in new readers. Right. And my question is, is that happening? Because I don't, I don't know. know. All, I only, only people I talk to are basically our listeners, and those are all the same, you know, 20 years. Thirty to fifty-year-old people, basically. Some of them we got it when they were kids, but they're not kids anymore, right. which is freaks me out. But yeah, I mean, so I don't know. Like, I mean, are there really different people going in and buying those weekly comics? That's what I don't know. And I've, you know, I've casually talked to a couple of uh, retailers, but it's it's not like they've been like, oh yeah, all of those old guys have been replaced by by young kids coming in, and I don't think that's happening. Right. Well, if you're listening and you're a retailer and you have a, if you see people coming in renew, let us know. But I don't know. I mean, I. Yeah. I don't even like, know in, I'm sh- I'm sure I'm positive there are a lot more like younger kids and and male and female and different type of people than there were you know ten years ago, but probably not like you know a a superior voting block. You know what I mean? That's not that's what I don't see. But I don't know. I don't know. 
Anyway, Nova 2, I thought was terrifically fun. Yeah, week that I was, was, I was surprised and, and delighted to see that you made that pick. Um, by inches, though, Batman 14 from Tom King and Mitch Jarrods, the team who did the Sheriff of Babylon last year, uh, did uh, a new storyline. The, the last arc ended with Catwoman, and now we've got a trip across the rooftops with Batman and Catwoman. And then, correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, but the last time Batman and Catwoman had sex with their costumes on, everyone lost flipped, their minds. Flipped out, yeah. Big time. Yeah. I didn't hear a peep about this, this yeah. one. Well, you know what's funny is that I, I've, I've read it, and, and I, I was like, I think I really liked that. But I was, I'm like a little biased, and like I, I like those guys. You know what I mean? So I kind of want to like it. And then I was like, and I, and I literally was like, I don't know if Connor will really like that or not. But it was well, good. I thought, I, thought good for sh- I thought for sure this was going to be the pick. In fact, the, I, was, I was shocked when okay. it wasn't. Yeah. The, the dumb reason why it wasn't the pick, and I completely acknowledge that it was dumb. And also, this is a side note. I feel like having sex on top of a bunch of diamonds would really hurt. However, yeah, right? Those are those are. Uh, let me tell you, they got they're pointy at some points. They have all um, their armor. Uh, the the fact that it wasn't a one one shot story that it was a two that there's another chapter. I thought it uh, was really a really strong one shot, and then in the end it says part one of two, and I was like ah, and that was completely stupid. But that's why one of the reasons why it wasn't the pick of the week. <laughs> I, like, I don't need any more than that. I thought that was a really nicely told one-shot story of Catwoman's last 12 hours before she's get taken to prison for the rest of her life, and she's running around Gotham with Batman, and then it was like, and there'll be more, and I was like, I don't want more. Right. It was yeah, I can see that. not the way it was. Yeah. I, I, I finished, and I thought, well, here's a good example of, like, like well, Tom, Tom King's just going to do what he does, and they're either going to like it or not. Like, yeah. like it was, I, I, I don't know that it was on brand for Batman where Batman is right now, but it was really good. Yeah, and I also felt like it was like, I don't know anything else that's happening around this. I thought I was like, did I miss something? And then I kind of was like, I don't care. I'm just reading it as it is. Like I used to do with kids as a, with comics as a kid. And it, well, it's, it's the offshoot of the last storyline, which I think none of us, other than that really well done um, fight sequence, the last couple of issues, none of us really responded to the sort of suicide squad ish Batman. Oh, yeah. You know, with the psycho pirate and all that stuff, but this oh, was. Well, the, I love, the, I love the, me some, I love me some psycho pirate. Don't get me, don't get me, Connor. Don't misrepresent. I, I, I'm never gonna, never gonna <laughs> not acknowledge that, Ron. You all, you love you the psycho lot, pirate. Got a lot here. <laughs> but I thought, as a, as a single issue, as a single story, this was great. This was, you know, Bat, Catwoman taking Batman on a little heist, and then Cat, Bat, Cat, Batman taking Catwoman on, constantly beating up the low level here, bad guys. Which I thought was really funny, and also a callback to sort of, to that Batman annual story. Where he kept mentioning all those like C and D level villains that he had to deal with all the time. Yeah, um, this, this was great. I would love these guys to do Batman. I mean, obviously Tom King is doing Batman, but Mitch Jarrett is was great on this issue. Um, yeah, yeah, I thought it, a, I thought it was really strong. Him. Yeah, I thought I thought it was really strong. Um, yeah, so much so as I'm reading it, I was like, oh, Def Connor's definitely going to pick this, and that's why I was. <laughs> I was really close. <laughs> Nova was one of the first books I read. This was literally the last book I read, and I finished it, and I was like, well, shit. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, I kept thinking about it, and I had so much fun reading Nova, and it, it bugged me that this wasn't a one-shot, and I was like, well, there you go. Right. Uh, it, on the, in the days where we don't have to justify our picks with a thousand words anymore, it's much easier to <laughs> make your decision. Well, there might be a thousand words spoken about it, but yeah, no, I hear what you mean. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's interesting because I thought this is a this is a a definitely an interesting week. Uh, I picked up the Unstoppable Wasp number one 
which is leading the charge on the Marvel side of things uh, with the latest Marvel now. Um, and I don't know if it was my pick of the week, but it definitely made me think a lot again about the youngening of Marvel, like we were talking about. Um, the youngening. And also the relationship of, of how these new characters are introduced and handled across the line. Because here's a situation where this is a character, where this is this, the Wasp character that we've seen now in three issues of Mark Wade's Avengers, right? And when I talked about Avengers number two in the pick of the week last month, we were like, who's this? And we're like, I don't know, it's some new Wasp, right? And we, we dismissed yep. it very handily. So this is this this explained to me who that new wasp was, and there's a real gap between the way Mark Wade wrote this character and the way this writer <laughs> Jeremy Whitley wrote this character, um, and it's a gap that's disturbing. Um, well, I, I look at the preview. Yeah. I didn't read the back. I looked at the preview. At first, I thought the art was really nice. The Elsa. art is great. Yeah, no, uh, Elisa Chartier, 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 Chartier or whatever. She's great. Yeah, um, Elsa Chartier. Yeah, um, but. Uh, I read the, some of the dialogue and I was like, "Ooh, uh, yeah. it was the, the character was sort of written kind of like, is she not from this world? Is, she's not. She she's the- Russian. She's Russian. Her name is uh. Nadia, and she grew up in the Red Room. Like, and that—that's the thing is that like, and I'm, and this is not a case where I'm going to give the edge to the season pro Mark Wade, but I actually think that Jeremy Whitley's version of the character was way more interesting, way more fleshed out." With the exception of one word balloon, which I know Josh, if Josh read this, would is gonna uh, throw a flag on, uh, which I which I agree. But um, it like it 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 gave me a character where there was a lot to grab onto. There's a lot in this issue. There's a lot going on. Um, but then I read Avengers three after this, and I was like, it's the same character, and they read completely differently. Where Wade's is like by the book, by the numbers, superhero-y, no really no personality or nothing that told me anything about the character other than that she gets small, you know? We, we've we talked before about characters who are written in the solo books very specifically and, yeah. and not translating to team books. I can't, it was, it was probably the Hawkeye of the, of the Fraction Run, but I, don't, I know there are other examples of really specific character work being done in the solo book that doesn't translate, and that's just, I mean, it's hard to do. Yeah. And now, now this definitely, this definitely, like it's, it's. I think it's again looking at what Marvel's doing. There's definitely, and Josh is being curiously silent during this. Um, I didn't read it, so I was okay. waiting for you to tell me what that dialogue was. Oh, it's your. I'm actually locked in. It's your favorite. It's your favorite exclamation of excitement uh, on Twitter. You got this. Squee. Squee. I know. <laughs> really said that? Like, it really the said say that. It out loud? Yes, the person said that. Did they say it, it with a question mark or, or like an exciting? Because some of you were like, squee? Exciting. Or, no, it was, it, it was S-Q-U-E-E explanation point. Um, and when I saw that, that was almost like the demon in the Brubaker Phillips book, where it's like, oh, God damn it. I'm like, you were so close. <laughs> that's the, like, that's the, like, the, the, the pixie superhero girl equivalent of we got this. So, so she's, so she, uh, the, the, uh, yeah, it really is. Um, the unstoppable wasp, uh, is Nadia Pym, who it grew up, was Henry Pitt, Henry Pym. <laughs> Hashtag Nadia Pym. Not, not, <laughs> not, Nadia Pym. Nadia Pym. And she's, um, and she grew up in the red room. Um, Maria Pym, Hank Pym's first wife, uh, is the one who had her like it's this it's basically like oh you didn't know this happened but this happened which I'm fine with and now yeah. she's come to she's come to America she's she's um, she's taking the mantle of the wasp and uh, Ms. Marvel's helping her get settled and then they run into Bobby Morse uh, Mockingbird and she freaks out because she's also really into science and apparently Mockingbird and Bobby Morse had a whole uh, career as a scientist before before she became Mockingbird and so they bonded right. over that and um 
and Mockingbird is kind of, you know, kind of serving as a mentor character for her and getting her excited uh, about what she's about to do. And in the panel, Mockingbird says, you're, you inspire me. You're going to do great things, Nadia. And Nadia says, squee. So, um, and basically, I'm gonna subtitle this podcast "Old Men Reading Comics." It really is. It really well because that's what I was also about to say is that this definitely is in the corner. There are several different corners of Marvel going on right now. There's Star Wars up there. There's old men reading Marvel who read Marvel comics like Mark Wade's Avengers and things like that. Um, There's the dusty X-Men corner, Um, and then there's the you know 21st century. The unbeatable Squirrel Girl, Ms. Marvel, and this book—the next, you know, the next generation books by a lot of creators that we haven't heard from, or new creators, or creators that have come from the underground or indie. I don't like all of them. Um, I, I, I think some of them are. Some of those creators are not ready for prime time, but they're just doing it because there's an opportunity and a gap in the industry sure. now for that, which is fine because they'll get better. But um, so this is definitely in that arena. But I mean, I'm way more engaged into this character than I have been reading her in Avengers. Interesting. So I'm glad to hear I, it. I, 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 I thought this would go the other way. No, it did. Yeah. That, and so did I. Because yeah, and I absolutely thought I, I absolutely thought it. But I was like, oh, this is really engaging and interesting. Um, so yeah. So there you go. Well, what I think happens is that the old man effect is two pronged. In that, like, I'm kind of sick of the old way of doing things. Right. But the new stuff, I'm like, well, that's not good either. Right. Yeah. So like, you you sort of you you grope around for you know, something to grab onto. And I, I think we all do. Like when we find something that's good, we're like, look, th- this is good. You know, we like, when you we, need we a middle ground. Yeah. 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 Something that, that does what we used to like about it without all of those same tropes with feeling that, that endless repetition, but not necessarily something that's completely, it's not even, it's not bad. It's that it's, it's not for me. It's not aimed at me. It's not, I'm not the audience. And, and that's, that's fine too. It just, you got to find it basically. Right. I'm, yeah, I'm fine with the tropes. I just need my characters back. <laughs> so, so let's know, move to- if if somebody comes along some guy you know some i don't want to some keith giffen story you know and, and he does it and he's done it a million times and you know what it is like it gets boring because it's you know you've seen it you've seen it a hundred times uh I'm pretend you didn't just you know, dis- disregard keith giffen i didn't but you know <laughs> exactly. the greatest comic book series of all time 30 years ago so what Still a great, so the Godfather like, is still a great to, movie. Didn't matter when it came out. If they were to say tomorrow, oh, the new writer on Batman is Keith Giffen, you wouldn't be like, oh, awesome. That's what I've been waiting for. Depends on what he's doing. Oh, come on. Seriously, it depends on what his execution. I'd give the first issue and see. Absolutely. Lobo. I think it's his. I don't like Lobo. Let's just move on. Unfollow <laughs> number 15. And I feel a little bad because Unfollow didn't get a mention in our urine show. It just but I feel like missed it by inches, right? Yeah, I think it's like my number six book. This we're wrapping it up too. We're getting towards yeah, clearly. The end. I was like, oh, I, I, guess, I guess we're three, ending. Three more issues, I think, to go. Um, and the thing is, this book was never going to go on for five years. It just no. the structure of the story means it's it's going to be a limited story. It's just and they, not. They, they took a big leap by killing like forty of them at once. <laughs> right. Uh, so here we get a time jump. And uh, so it's a year later from the last from the last issue. Some of the characters have changed quite a bit, and uh, I thought this I didn't was- recognize Dave at all. <laughs> I didn't know who that was. I was like, "Wait, who is that?" Yeah. Um, he's really bulked up. He's been he really and he, he aged. I don't know. We jumped a year because I I was like, he's like ten years older. I feel and like he looks cool. Don't get me wrong. He looks like Luke like Cage a, now. That a five year jump would have made more sense for the way the characters looked, but. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was great. This was another contender for pick of the week. Um, for my some reason, only, Mike Dowling 
really makes yeah. it look sick. I mean, my only reservation about it being great, and I really enjoyed it, but it, like, it felt really jarring from the last thing because it was like we were going at a really steady pace through all 14 issues previously, and then this is like, oh shit, we just hit the downhill, and it's going to be a lot shorter than the run up. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, which is and who knows what that if that's what they planned, yeah, if that's absolutely if a business decision or not. We, but, we've uh, seen that before, you know, on on TV shows, on on comics or stuff. But it was super well done. And and once I figured out that who I was like, oh, that's the character I've known this whole time. I was like, <laughs> all right, I'm good. I love the Mike Mike Dell. I thought this book was gorgeous, especially the, yep. the sequence where they're chasing down Rubenstein in in the rain in the alleyway. Uh, but I also really like the the cult of Akira and stuff that was going on too. Yeah. And also the sort of the, the meta commentary where they, the cult members are, are shown the truth and they're you know they don't accept it you know as lies. Uh, it's just all these comic writers flailing themselves against. Oh this, yeah, this we're gonna be, gonna be a lot of this for the next four years. <laughs> it's right here. It's blue. Why won't you admit it's blue? Um, and uh, I I thought this was great. And the, you know not, not the twist because we knew that we knew that dude was a lie, Feral. But uh, now that the characters know, so. Uh, I thought this was really, really good. I'm, I'm looking forward to how this ends. And when this collects, I'm going to give this to some people. This is going to be a really fun yeah. story. Yeah, the, the, to, to, to me, this this is a this is a book. This has been really, really fun. Um, it's been well crafted. It's you know timely. But you know, like we said, we know it's ending at what at 17 or 18 or something like, like that. 18, 18, 18, 18 yeah. So it's ending soon. You get I get the sense that it's ending sooner than he had intended, and that's you know that's why yeah. we have some of these jumps. And when I read it, I'm just like, oh man, I wonder what this would have you know been like yeah. without the restraint, you know, without that. So well, 20 or I wonder what this would have been like had it been printed in 2003. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, yeah, it would have been Friendster. It would have been uh, Followster. You know, I, you know, I, I, I really want to make the point that when I'm I friend. see, yeah. A tweet or or like an iMessage or whatever it is show up in a comic book as a device. I usually roll my eyes, but this really incorporated in such a way that I was like, I have no, I have no truck with this. It's everything. Yeah. It's great. It might be do, the best. It know. might be the best use of that as a trope yet. I think. Yeah. Well, so. they don't call it Twitter, but it is for all intents and purposes it is is it is formatted exactly like Twitter. So yeah. it isn't like they made up someone. What was it? Joe Casey did some book. That was no, he did, and he did Twitter, and he didn't. He clearly didn't use Twitter because it was all right, wrong. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't. Yeah. So, yeah, but it was like that kind of thing. Um, and I've seen it used to varying degrees of success, but because this is about it, it it works really well, and it's done in a. It's like it's you know that sort of painful sci-fi, hard sci-fi sort of like this is what the technology could be used for, and that would be terrible. Black we mentioned. Episode. We mentioned the champions earlier in the pick, and this is champions number four from Mark Wade and Roberto Ramos. And I thought this was a brilliant veteran move in that it was a one-shot story told within the overall arch of the storyline that's going on. So it, it, you got a one-shot while they were on their mission, like a, like a side story. And yeah. I've been reading, there was a one Batgirl one-shot over the break. Like I've been reading some more one-shots here and there, which is making me happy because... Not every story needs to be six issues long, and uh, I really, I really liked this issue. This was the the champions returning from their last mission. They get attacked by some Atlanteans. I keep forgetting they're Atlanteans in the Marvel universe because they never use them anymore. Oh! Um, and uh, they get captured, and they got to escape, and then they got to keep going with their mission. I like that. I like this a lot. 
I really enjoyed this. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying. I mean, Humberto Ramos is one of I great. Mean, one, yeah, one of the consistently great artists over the past you know 15 years or so. Where every time he's on something, it's like, oh wow, that was great. That was fun. Um, and I like this collection of characters. I I just feel and I, I this this one shot was good. I I don't know if it's because of uh, you know the the broken up nature. I've read the issues in or just general what's going on, but I just feel like it's going too fast. I would like a little more breathing room with this as a team. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, it's Wade, and I gotta, I gotta trust in his ability as a, you know, as a vet. Again, talking about, you know, he's also writing Avengers, but writing this younger cast of characters. Um, I just like the different roles each character brings to the table, and yeah. and it's not a team that you would, I would have ever predicted they would put together. Um, and so I, 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 I dig it. Like it's, it's, it's got a, it's got a youthful energy, and Ramos's art is bringing that through visually. I think he's the perfect artist for it. So, yeah. What's funny about this is. You know, my whole problem with the Marvel Universe is that they're getting rid of all my characters, and this is a book about all those new characters who supplanted yeah. all the old characters, and I'm really enjoying it. However, next issue, Gwenpool, I might be out. That, that was, I thought, too. I was like, oh, don't go Gwenpool. Why? Uh, I don't even know what that character is. Yeah. I just know I don't like it. And well, who that is, is that is this a character? Is this a real character? I, I don't know, because I, I avoided it like the plague. I mean, you know, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Because they're just so, taking dead. They're just taking dead. Now they're doing Howard Pool. Did you see that? Like, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. Hmm. I mean, this may be a nice little four issue run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, real quick, let's talk about Harry's. This episode is brought to you by Harry's, and we've talked about this before. But all three of us are big Harry's fans. We've been using Harry's for a while. In fact, I'm rubbing my hand over my shaved head, which I shaved five hours ago, and it's still nice and smooth. And that is. I was going to a- say you are really the. The post. I mean, like we 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 shave, but you. I mean, you've got us beat. I use it every day. Um, yeah, I use Harry I, almost every day. Pretty much. Uh, I have the uh, you know we have the I have the Harry's cream. I've got the new razor blade. I have the new travel case. Um, I bought my brother a Harry's last a couple years ago for Christmas. Like I I'm a Harry's evangelist, so we're happy that they've come since along before. Since before, since since they first came out, basically. Yeah. I, and uh, I switched from the Dollar Shave Club to Harry's, and I have not looked back. I, have not, I do not regret it in the least. Um, really nice. I mean, I should have a little bit of stubble, but I got nothing, which is one of the reasons why I stuck with them, because uh, I think their razors are really super high quality. One of the reasons why I love Harry's is that the price is consistent. The um, new models don't come out, and they don't raise their prices. As we, all, uh, we all know we join these shaving clubs because the price of razors in the store is ridiculous. Um, it's just it's it's, it's I remember, it still is, yeah. and you got to get it out of the case. That's a pain in the ass. Yeah, I always felt like a criminal. Can I, can I please have some razors? Yeah, um, and that's one of the reasons why <laughs> I jumped on when when the trend started out with these with these uh, mail order shavers. I jumped on it because I didn't like doing that. I felt like an idiot every time. Um, but uh, Harry's doesn't upcharge you. They've they uh, made their razors even better, and prices are exactly the same. Uh, and the razors, which I'm I keep rubbing my head now that I've talked about it. Uh, there's softer flex hinge for a comfortable glide. I, I can attest to that as someone who shaves their head. It's, it's, there's a lot of bumps and, and curves on up there and I get, I have, I have very little Nick problems. Uh, the blades. Connor, I, I'm sorry. I, I won't have it from you. You say what you want, but your head is, is a smooth, uh, work of art. Ron, you, you can, you can, you can attest <laughs> to the trimmer blade, which you use, you use. Yes, yeah. If you've ever seen me in person, you know that I, I sport some lovely sideburns, and and they are as sharp as can be now, thanks to the new additional trimmer blade that they. And have. Uh, the lubricating strip keeps you good for a week, because you only need to use the blades for a week. And then my favorite is the textured handle on the new uh, 
new handle, which we talked about before. On the old handle, which looked beautiful, it was super smooth, and I would constantly have it fly out of my hand after I'd shower. And I'd go go searching for it, usually behind <laughs> the toilet, and then that's a whole other problem. Um, but uh, just still just $2 a blade, which is incredible. And you get I get the whole monthly pack every month, and it's, and it's great. Harry's owns the factory in Germany where they make the blades, so Harry's can produce high-quality razors and sell them for half the price you get if you pay at a store. And Harry's is so confident in the quality of their blades, they'll send you their popular uh, shave set that comes with a razor, five-blade car- cartridge, and shaving gel. And when you sign up with our link, you get, uh, the, you know, it's free. They'll just pay shipping. Plus, as a special offer, offer to our listeners, enter code iFanboy, and you get the post-shave balm to your order for free. So go to Harry's, H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com right now. Enter code iFanboy at checkout. And you get your free trial set and you get to shave bomb, your post shave bomb. It's important. You know, it's important. You have to. That's a, it's a lot of free. It's a lot of free. It's free. You, want to, you want to condition the skin. Yeah, you got to condition the skin after the shave. And that's important. Yeah. Uh, so go to harrys.com. Use code iFanboy. Real quick, Green Lanterns 14. I wasn't going to put it on the show, but this was actually a really important issue. Um, I think Sam first. I think Sam Humphreys is killing Green, Green Lantern. I think he's fantastic on this book. You mean like Ron Mars? Oh, yeah, wait, no. I thought you meant he's killing. Kill, I thought no, I, thought, I thought he's killing the character. No, no. Oh, yeah, he's he doing is, a great you job. You started yes, to say killing it, job. and you're like, I hate that phrase. I don't want to. Yeah, say I it. did. I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I turned into he's murdered Hal Jordan again. Uh, so one of the things so this is the Simon Baz Jessica Cruz book, and and we you know they've been hitting it really hard. Who these characters are? Jessica's got the anxiety problems, and Simon's got his rage problems, and so they've been fighting the Phantom Lantern, whose ring. Uh, when he puts it on you, uh, will will bring your inner self out. You'll you'll get the ring color that your inner self uh, deserves. And when Jessica gets the ring on her, she assumes she's going to get fear or something like that. But she ends up becoming a Green Lantern again. So that she's now got confidence. She can make constructs with her ring. And I'm hoping now we can move forward with her character from being someone who constantly talked about her anxiety. Yeah. And so I thought this I thought this was a really nice issue. I thought it was a great moment for Jessica. I really like this book. I like these characters. Agreed, and I like I like the creation of of this guy as the villain, the loot, the wannabe Green Lantern. I love the yes. fan, I love the Phantom Ring. I thought it added a, a dimension to them. You know, the, the rainbow of rings has become a tired uh, concept yep. that we lo- that we used to love. Yes, that personally I used to love, and um, and this brought it kind of brought it back. Yeah. Like, oh, that's a cool. Take this is really great. Issue. I did yeah. scalped is the pick of the week. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on, uh, Hawkeye number two featuring uh, not Josh's Hawkeye, but the the new lady Hawkeye. Um, first off, I just wanted to give a kudos. I love what she's they're doing new. with these covers. It's by Kate, the way. Kate Bishop. She's been she's ten years. Yeah, Kate Bishop. more than that. I know, yeah, sure, yeah. No, but as the new hawk, I mean, as the second Hawkeye, whatever, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, I really like the the pulpy cover approach that they're taking with this. Um, and then on top of that, uh, you know, we already have a mindset of Hawkeye based off the Fraction AHA run. And I thought that um, what Kelly Thompson and Leonardo Romero are doing with this and, and Jordi Belair and Colors are giving – it's still in the same familiarity ballpark as that run, but unique in its own right. And with the little bullseye kind of icons in the book, to, you know, giving it its own kind of language, visual language. So it's not leaning on the past, but also moving it a little forward, which I thought was good. And I, I really like this issue. Actually, I thought it was a lot. It was it was really good. Josh, are you not yeah. reading Hawkeye the New Hawkeye? Nope. I didn't think I, so. I, 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 you know, right. I, I really had a thing. For I'm not either. I haven't like, read. Yeah. I liked her like in ensembles, but I liked it. Like when an issue would come up with her, I was like, eh. 
To be honest, I wouldn't wasn't going to read it, but the cover grabbed me. That's a there case of go. the cover working. Superman 14, we often talk about how when Kang shows up, it's like a classic Marvel story that we love. Here, I think it's the DC equivalent in which someone is snatching Superman through the multiverse. So a, a multiverse all-star team of Superman must team up to stop whoever's doing it. And I just was laughing all reading this because it was so classically DC. It so was. You, it was funny because when you started talking about it, I had read so many Superman comics over the past like week. But I was like, hold on, wait, which one are we talking about? All right, okay, yeah, yeah. Plus it was drawn by Ivan Rice, who's you know, fantastic. Yeah. But this, you had uh, Superman from from the Red Sun book, and you had the the black Superman that Grant Morrison introduced, and you had, and then you had a team of, of uh, Justice League members from all over the different multiverse trying to figure this out. I just love how crazy you can get with the multiverse. Well, if, if you had it, also I wanted to, A, it, it featured Keenan Kong, which I thought was, yep. was nice to sort of bring him into it. Um, who is who is a, just a, a really new character? Man, yeah. It's actually an Asian character who's not a genius. I know it's impossible to do that in comics. <laughs> He's kind of dumb, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to get to that. Um, but uh, if there was a second place for panel of the week, I'm pretty sure it was the dis- disintegration of Captain Carrot. <laughs> I was like, geez. Yeah, yeah. I expected to see more about that on the social media. Well, not a lot of Captain. He wasn't disintegrated. He was turned quiet. into a regular bunny. Right. But uh, just those panels, it looked like he was disintegrated. Yeah. But still, either way. An adorable little bunny. Yeah, it was good. It was. It's almost good in retrospect. I was like, yeah, you're right, Connor. That was fun. It was It's just like, you know what? If you're going to have it, just do it. Just have 15 Supermen and, and just leagues from all. It's, it reminded me of Avengers Forever, of that it, sort of team from the multiverse. It was one right. of those things yep. where I was halfway through it, and I was like, yeah. who's drawing this? This is great. And I decided not to look. Just finish it, and I got to the beginning. I was like, oh, all right. I'm race. Sweet. It was good. I really enjoyed it. That was another fun book. I read a lot of fun books this week. Yep. Um, yeah, talk about fun. Black Science number 27. You want to talk about fun. Um, uh. Uh, we want to talk about fun. Uh, I like that, you know, 27 issues in, Rick's going to like, I'm going to make a superhero book. <laughs> Do that. Yeah. Um, and a really engaging kind of grabbing, like what's going on in this world. And that again, and and that kind of ties into Superman, Connor, where it's like when you've got alternate dimensions and alternate things like that, you can do that. And uh, in this particular issue, we find out that Grant's son is still alive and he's uh, grown up and he's become a superhero. And uh, <laughs> he's in this world where I'm trying to, I'm pulling it up, I'm trying to find the name of his superhero team, and it was, it made me laugh the out loud. Anarchy, anarchist um, League of Scientists. But it was. Oh, that's, that's what she that's calls the new it. one at the end. No, that's what she. That's what she's from. Right. Yeah, that's what she's in. But uh, um, I've actually, while you're looking for, it? I really like the uh, current storyline in which we're at. We're in the present, in the real world, and we've seen how the what's happened, well, the ramifications of what's. It's the Legion of Ethical Champions, is the tape. Yes, that's what he has. The, yeah, the junior member of the Legal of Ethical Legion. Champions. Um, <laughs> I like that we're seeing the ramifications of what Grant did in the in, in quote unquote the real world. Yep. So that's been. I've really been enjoying yeah. since since she's been back. The daughter. We've, we've we've met the world, the, you know, that his the company that was running or funding Grant, and, and I like I, everything's been really interesting. I think. Yep, really, really strong, really great. So, um, love it. Good times. Um, and before we get on with it and and revisit the ratings, ratings. segment of the show, uh, which is which has taken a life of its own, I gotta say. Uh, quickly, want to remind you uh, that uh, we are here because of you, the listener, and we want to thank you for your support. And if you are a uh, current listener of the show and not supporting iFanboy, and you're wondering how, uh, a couple of ways you can do it: you can go to ifanboy.com/support, and there you can find a link to shop on Amazon. 
all your shopping on Amazon happens. You don't have to send a dollar our way. Instead, Amazon sends money our way for sending you to them. See how it works? Um, and in fact, many of you took advantage of it this past holiday season. And we want to thank everybody for just doing what you were going to do and helping us out and, and in, uh, in the process. You're taking so, money out of the that. pockets of the fat cats and giving it to the little guys. The fat cats in Washington. <laughs> and and exactly. up on Madison Avenue. Um, Actually, we're literally up in Washington, just state. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so just go to ifanboy.com support. There's a big old banner at the bottom of the page. Click on that. Heads it over to Amazon. That's all you need to do. Um, if you want to uh, help us more directly, uh, you can give us a donation directly via PayPal. And in fact, some of you took advantage of that towards the end of the year. And we want to thank everybody for that. Uh, that's awesome. Um, and if you are an eccentric billionaire, that is the best <laughs> spot for you to go. Just go click on PayPal. Please donate $1 billion. And then Even a million dollars at this point. Um, and we'll work out the deep... A million dollars would be fine. Hell, fucking $100,000 would be fine, to be honest with you. Um, we'll work out the details of what Dancing Monkey things we, <laughs> well, need, we need to do. Well, we need to send Josh and where he needs to wear a diaper or not. No. Finally, um, <laughs> if you want to be a if you want to be a direct supporter of iFanboy, the best way to do that is to go to patreon.com slash iFanboy. And there's also a link to a patro- to Patreon on our support page at iFanboy.com slash support. And that is where you can sign up to become a recurring patron of iFanboy. Every month, you can pick the level of support that you want to have uh, you want to provide from a dollar upwards up to $20 a month. Um, and we thank everybody for their support. We've got some awesome patrons. It's a great community. And in doing so, you get to take part in our monthly hangouts which we do online you get to vote on a comic that we're going to talk about on the show which we're going to do in a little bit um, and if you sign up at a, a high enough level we'll send you some cool swag some buttons and stickers and comics and things like that and in fact for those of you who have signed up since about November we have another wave of those rewards going out in the month uh, this month so you can be on the lookout for that in your mailbox um, it's basically it's the place to be um, and then additionally uh, we've got some goals we kind of met our our two our two thousand dollar a month goal, our latest goal, uh, where we're gonna bring back the iFanboy T-shirt store. We're waiting to work out the numbers on that, so stay tuned on that. Um, but yeah, it's a great place to be, and we thank everybody for their support. So go to Patreon.com/iFanboy where you can sign up today, and with that with your support, rating. rating. So more ratings. This stuck up on us. DC is dropping some uh, rebirth yes, books this month, one at, one each week. So we're gonna have a rating segment. If you're new to the show. We've been rating the DC Rebirth books on a scale of one to five, and uh, we uh, we read a book, rate a book. What is it? It was read a book, rate a book. Pick a book, read a book, rate a book. Pick a the book, purse, read a book, rate system. a book. That's right. Yeah. The, so uh, the DC system. snuck up on us with Justice League of America: colon, The Adam: colon, Rebirth, number one. <laughs> Please do that always. Steve Orlando, Andy McDonald. You know what? I really enjoyed this. I thought the art was great. Yeah. And Andy McDonald is great. This was the only Steve Orlando book I've read so far that I really, I thought he nailed it. I thought this was super fun. I, I like the characters. It's tough for me because, you know, I'm a fan of the Silver Age DC books. So Ray Palmer is one of my favorite characters. And I think he's got that classic DC design. And they've been doing their best to shut, you know, to shut him off to the side over the last 10 or 15 years. But uh, I liked Ryan Choi a lot in this. I liked his relationship to Ray Palmer. I liked that Ray Palmer got to wear the classic Adam suit because the Adam suit, the cover, looks like the one for the TV show, and that made me grind my teeth until I saw it wasn't actually in the book. Um, I, I thought this was great. Yeah, no, I agree. This was, this was a lot of fun. And as a fan of the Adam, I thought they handled 
Ray Palmer and then bringing in the legacy aspect of it, Ryan Choi, it felt natural. Um, yep. it, it, it This felt like we talked about the different kind of rebirth books. This felt like a reboot level setting. This is what you need to know. If you've never read The Atom before and you want to read it now, go for it. Um, and I thought it was, I, I thought it was really, really strong. It was good. So. What's interesting about this is not leading into a Adam series, as far as I can tell. It's leading into the Justice League of America books. All these, all these uh, books this month are just characters that are going to be in that team who don't have regular books. Okay. So it says follow the adventures of the Adam next month in JLA Rebirth number one. So I assume. So we're gonna get we're, we're gonna get three more of these Rebirth books, including a JLA Rebirth book. Or four more, I forget. I guess. Yeah, Vixen, the Ray, and Killer Frost. Oh yeah, so and then and then um, and then we get a Justice League Rebirth book finally. So. Right, and then it goes. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, I thought this was super fun. Josh, you didn't like it. Uh, I was fine. I, I really like the art. I like Andy McDonald a lot. I, I always sort of, uh, I always used to find his art, um, you know, just doing sketches, but he didn't do a lot of regular books. Um, I, I liked it. You know, I, I didn't love it. I thought it was really good. Can someone explain to me those glasses that they're Which, drinking from that look like little Oh, bombs? yeah. I didn't get those. I didn't know either. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought they were like test tubes because they were, they were science nerds, but I didn't realize they were specific they, he, to whatever. They, they specifically called out what the drink was, right? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, but I didn't. Poir- Isaac Newton's yeah. there. I don't know what that is. And I drink yeah. a lot of alcohol. Um, I mean, but a lot of drinks have hidden. special shaped glasses just for those drinks, so maybe that's what that is. I don't know. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna Clearly, we're up. not cool enough, Josh. Well, it might be the opposite. Maybe we're too cool. Because be science is not cool. Um, Pori, so, Pori Williams. Ratings. Pora. It's a Rating. cognac. It's a cognac. Well, oh, cognac does have special Oh, and it's glasses. got a pear in it. Poor, yeah, it does. Like Williams is, is the name for an eau de vie made from the Williams pear. It's generally served chilled as an after-dinner drink. So it's like Fernet. But why yeah, look in the page, page 18. You can see the pear in the bottle. Yeah. And maybe the glasses reflect that. Is it a cognac, cognac drink? I, I see nothing. Maybe it is. I see nothing about a... This, well, cognac's drunk usually have a, 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 a wide, the sh- sniffer, small glass. Snifter. Snifter. Yeah. Um, um, or it could be a case of I'm looking and I see some cognac glasses that have a stem and have like a U-shaped design, and it could be a case of the artist not quite understanding what he's drawing. Mm. Or maybe these are test tubes. Maybe these are some kind of glasses we don't even know about. Some I didn't even know about. <laughs> Ratings, I give it a four. At a ten? At a five. Oh man, oh, we've never five. done out. Of- <laughs> we've never done out of ten. We've been doing this I- for, for since 2011. <laughs> Wow! Um, oh wait, I just found the glass. I totally found it. It's uh, it's a it's a cognac glass with a stem. With the, it looks just like it. it's like a it's a on Dan Murphy's website. So, so please apologize to the artist for telling. Please apologize. Yeah, yeah, please. I, I I do apologize to the artist. He to, I totally found it. It is listed as a grappa glass. That is hey. a that is a grappa glass. The stem hey. the stem is a little longer on a grappa glass than on the as he drew it. But I'll give it to him and I give it a four. Well, before Josh does his rating, I just, I do want to mention I forgot. I really liked that the Ryan's jock roommate didn't turn out to be a stereotypical jock roommate. You saw them having a friendship and yeah, like that's good. I like that bit of it. Could now work Josh your rating. Uh, I didn't love the coloring. Mm-hmm. I like the art. The story was fine. 
I'm vacillating between three and three and a half. Can 3. I go 3.25? 3.35. 3. 3. 3.25. Okay. 3.62? Okay. It's not a bad rating. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Stick, sticking with it, well, it's not, they're not, there's no Adam book. If, if this was a creative team on the book, I would 100% stick with it, but it's not, so I, I abstain. Abstain. No answer. No answer. NA. All right. Not available. <laughs> All right, so as we mentioned before, if, uh, if you become a patron at patreon.com slash ifanboy, you can vote every week to put a book on the show. And this week, the patrons voted on a two-to-one margin over the next uh, book in the, in the voting. Wow. For Box Office Poison, Color Comics, number one. Story and art by Alex Robinson. Colors by Pat and Lewis. And I didn't even know this was coming out. This is crazy because... Josh, why don't you um, describe? Yeah, why don't you explain? Why don't you explain this, Josh? Well, this is an interesting one for me <laughs> uh, to go back and revisit. Um, longtime listeners will know that uh, Box Office Poison is easily one of my favorite graphic novels of all time. Um, and when I first got it, I think the whole edition was published in the yeah, early like 2000. 2000s. I know what house I was in at that time. So yeah, it was like early 2000s. You know, Alex had done this over... And I'm going to say, Alex, he's a pretty good friend of mine, um, <laughs> mostly because I loved this book so much that I was like, I want to be his friend. And, and I am now because of it. So that's kind of stalkery. Um, but I read the entire book. It's a huge, like, 600-page book. I, I read it in um, one day. Mm-hmm. And I remember after I read it, those were the heady days of, like, like, I emailed him, and I didn't know him. And I was like, I just read it in one day, and I loved it. And we, I don't even – I think we did have iFanboy at that point. But yeah, we did. Yeah. You know, and, and I remember he like wrote back and he was like, you know, I worked on that for seven years. And I was like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Which is him. <laughs> um, but I ha- and I've read it since then. I know I read it around the end of the last decade. I went back through and read it again. Um, but I haven't looked at it in a while. And it it was really fascinating to go back. Not the, the color take it or leave it. It was originally done in black and white. This has been recolored. And it's been recolored fine, although the, some of the artwork is actually so rough that it's kind of strange um, with color. Um, so he definitely the style tightens up a lot near the end of the book to sort of what his work looks like today. But I, I still, I hold this book up as sort of one of the best slice of life comics that um, is very real in its character depiction but also uses the medium of, of comics in a way that's really not innovative, but really effective. It's, it's not, he, he, he's aware of, of talking heads being a problem. And, and there's a little sort of Q and a thing at the end of this, where he goes through all the pages, the annotation, yeah. annotations, uh, you know, and he, and he talks about how, you know, he'd just gotten out of art school at this point and he was really throwing everything he could at it to try to make it interesting. And he points out some of those things as you go through it. Um, I think for the annotations could, page alone, it's or, or the section is probably it's a must read yeah, for box office point fans. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yep. As, as as for it was funny that this was the vote because this is a book that we've all read that we've all. I, I mean, I remember Josh, you recommended it to me back in the day, and I picked it up because I was that that was the beginning. That was the early days of my indie kind of uh, mm-hmm. interests, you know, and Strangers in Paradise and Stray Bullets stuff like that. And so you turned me on to it. We've all read it. We've all you know hung out with Alex. We've been on Star Wars Minute. We've all done that fun stuff with him. Um, but to revisit it. The colorized version was fun, and you know, of course, this is IDW because it's really through Top Shelf, which IDW bought, so that's the relationship there. Um, but uh, the the annotation piece—that's what I found myself pouring over because I was like, okay, yeah. cool, this is this is the added content to make the colorized version that much better. So yeah, and and all, like 
I hadn't heard some of that before. And I have interviewed Alex like officially and unofficially a lot. You know, like we've talked about this work and other stuff. Um, and so it was actually, it was really interesting for me too. Um, and just to put it that like also he's been doing graphic novels pretty regularly since then. And they're all great. Like he's, he's a wonderful cartoonist. Um, it's interesting to see as an artifact, this is, I mean, it's, it's raw. It's really yeah. raw. Um, yeah. there's a section in the middle he redrew. Yep. And when you, when you read that, you go back and you go, oh shit, yeah, you're right, because this it's much, it's drawn much better than the rest of the but book. But I mean, but it gets better too, like in a few. He's issues. grown, and yeah, if you yeah. if you read the six hundred pages, the style at the end is not the same as the style at the beginning. He's 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 raw in the beginning, but you can you really, you know, I haven't read this probably in fifteen years. Uh, you you forget, you know, because you see him draw now all the time, and he's yeah. he's a super polished cartoonist now, and you're just like, oh, right, I mean. That's, I mean, it's he. He started off in a different place where he began, but the style is still there. But uh, and the characters, the, all the character and dialogue is, hundred percent where we you know, like it's like natural born talent or something. It's right there. But he would do I, these page at a time. That was the thing. Like yeah. he didn't have a plan. He drew a page. Whatever happened on that page, begat what happened on the next page. You know, and he, he did that until recently, which I think is amazing. Yes, it, it, it is. Speaks to his talent that he could basically improvise the story. Mm-hmm. Um, which also is interesting because you could you read in the, in, the, in the annotations how things didn't go as planned. Like he ends yeah. the first issue, quote unquote issue, with a possible romance between two characters, and he just never picked up again. <laughs> it was like <laughs> yep. a cliffhanger, and it just, he just he just went somewhere else for the next issue and never came back to it. Um, which I think is fun in a way. It's sort of like watching uh, a play being made in real time, or oh, you know, just, or, or like watching Lost. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but ultimately it's satisfying, right? Yeah, exactly. No, see, that's the thing. I, I, I and I feel fine saying this because I, we, no, Alex, I didn't like this by the end of it. I thought it was much better stronger in the beginning. I thought by the end I didn't like most of the characters. So I would say it's, I know what you mean. I would say it's different than Lost in that, and I like those characters all the way through. But yeah, um, I mean, he didn't want you to. Uh, uh, I mean, one, I don't want to give it away because if you've never read it, but like a character who you don't like in the beginning, you like at the end, and vice versa, and that happens with a lot of them, just like real people. In a way. Yeah, and that, that makes it tough to read as a story. Um, uh, I also, as a New Yorker, and this takes place in nineteen ninety four in New York, when I was still in high school in New York at the time. Um, a lot of these people were people I, I or character types I knew and didn't really like yeah. in person. Yeah. So that's made it difficult. So, um, but it's, I, I mean, the artistry is, is undeniable. Yeah, I, I'm. I never, I never thank the patrons for picking the book, but I was really happy they picked this book because I'm like. I'm really excited. I want to read this in this format, like monthly. If they get all the way through it, that'll be amazing. Um, uh, well, I imagine they will because, well, you probably know more than I do. But <laughs> I can I, imagine I they would take they would take the undertaking without doing it. Yeah, I know. But eventually, if they're like, you know, yeah. it's a lot of issues. Yeah, it's a lot of issues, and and it's kind of niche and it's kind of old. And like, yeah. if you are a completely new reader now and you read this, you know it's easy for us to be like, oh, I recognize this because it's 1994, it's New York, it's like all these things, right. you know, but the art's going to look kind of If you're 24 rough. right now and you're reading this, yeah. I don't know. But the thing is, but, like, but what, if you what, are the 24 cost, reading though, it. The cost yeah. is, the, is the colors, basically, so. Yeah. Well, then the prints. But, like, the cost, you know, if, if you're if you're reading this now and you're 24, you are going to relate to it. It's, you know, universality of, of sort of characters and ages and things like that. I don't um, know if that's the case anymore. Really? I think people are very different. Well, if you read that, read this. If you're 24 and you read this, you can uh, tweet at us hashtag bop relate, exactly. or exactly. or tweet at us with hashtag bop don't relate. 
Only for 24, though. Yeah, I don't want to hear from any 23-year-olds. No 23 or 25. I don't want to hear about it. Or 25-year-olds, you 26-year-olds, you sit down. Go screw. Go screw. All right, so. Uh, Just just slight producer note. If I say go screw, that's a term of affection. Yes, thank you. And and I say it in a term of uh, joking. So, there you go. This entire show is a goddamn joke. And it's one big love letter to you, the listener. You're not not kidding. (laughs) Uh, So... (laughs) Let's do a ratings on Box Office Poison Color Comics number one. Ratings. Uh, ratings. I give it a four. I give it a four. He's oh, got to give it a five. He's got to. He's got to. I'm going to give your best I'm friend. Gonna, I'm going to give it a four and a half because there's room for improvement that we're, I know we're going to see. I'm very excited to read this in a regular format like this. Cool. I think it'll be fun. All right. So you're going to talk a lot about the colors. We're going to talk about the colors in a second. Uh, sticking with it? Sure. No. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, totally. All right, so uh, unless I get ahead of myself, I just read the book and then forget to keep getting the issues. If it won't be in color, so there you go. Anyway, but the an- the annotations alone are worth it. I love the annotations. That's true. Actually, no. Okay, yes, sticking with it. Yes. All I, right, cool. I do want the annotation. So thank you, patrons, for choosing Box Office Poison Color Comics number one as the patrons' pick of this week. And if you are not a patron, you can become one by going to Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy, and we save the best for last. The best perk of becoming a patron uh, is that those of us, uh, those of you who supported us at the right level, get a dumb superpower or a fun. Superpower or crazy superpower. You get a superpower. We're going to give you a superpower. We're handing them out like candy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, coming up first. (laughs) Coming up first is. I don't know how to label it, but what you just did. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) Every now and then I pull it off. Um, All right. So, Connor, you are bestowing the first power. Take it away. Mackenzie Hamilton. Mackenzie always feels like the most important person in the room. Is that, is that a superpower or, yes, or, like, a, person, like a, or a personality disorder? <laughs> they, they just emit this aura. It's like, sort of telepathic. It's sort of it could be pheromonic. It's just like so. Does the other anyone, do the other people in the room know? Everyone always feels like he's the most important person in the room. Ha- if you walk in, you go, "Who's in charge?" It must be that dude. Is this a dupe of my coolest person in the room power? No, this is important. important. Oh, okay. There's a subtle difference. Not okay, cool. not Fonzie. <laughs> okay, this is like. Who is the most important person in the room? Okay, interesting. Yeah, what what happens What happens when he walks into the General Assembly at the UN? Everyone goes, that guy must be the one. We got to talk to that guy. Forget no, you, we, Kofi Annan. Let's yeah. talk to that guy. Let's talk to Mackenzie. Baki <laughs> Moon, forget it. It's <laughs> right. you. Mackenzie Hamilton always feels like the most important person. Okay. Josh? Uh, next up, uh, Ace Martins. Which I feel like he should have been calling in the Goodfellas Minute. And we wouldn't even need to give him a nickname. Ace Martins. I trust him with my card game. Um, yeah. He runs the best card game in the West Side. Everyone knows Ace Martins does that. <laughs> he, can do, he can do any accent, but he still only speaks English. But the accent is 100% convincing. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so he sounds French? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, he, you would be like, oh, man, he's clearly from Nigeria or Bulgaria or, or Venezuela. Any place... But he does not know those languages. And so, but is it only the ends of the nay? Only places that end with an A? No, that was just a coincidence. <laughs> it's sort of a, a poetic what about like the, so, so he said so he calls a water fountain a bubbler in his Rhode Island accent? When he's doing it. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Regional. He yeah. can just whatever accent. Oh no, no, no. no. He doesn't like, he doesn't speak Okay, we're we're confused. He doesn't speak as an Englishman from England. He speaks the English language. Yeah, so he speaks yeah. English, but he can do it with a Creole accent. Or a yeah. Spanish accent, or or so a Quebecois accent. 
Yeah, but right. if there are original words from those, he fix up. Then he can that, use yeah. those. So yeah. the the bubbler, as you said, or or you know, if, if he was in England, he would you know, bangers and mash. Uh, to use a very poor example. So so uh, accents and affectations. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But but not. Colloqu- but he can't speak the language. He can't Colloquialism. He can't go right. to France. You drop him in France, he doesn't know what the fuck's going on. No, no, he just sounds like. A French person speaking English to everyone in the world, like, why don't you speak French? And he's like, I can't. I can't. All right, then. Can right. he learn other languages? I mean, sure, theoretically, yeah. but his accents are so good that, you know. He can get by without oh, it, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say he doesn't use it. Pardon right. me. Do you have the schedule? And he's just, oh. The cue. Okay. Um, next up is John Nunes. Uh, and John is, is one of those rare... Um, uh, his superpowers also could be his code name, and I'm just mm-hmm. gonna, I'm just gonna come out and say it: Strike Zone. <laughs> Is he a GI member? Possibly. Uh, he knows when it's a strike and when it's a ball. Just the, he knows oh, the strike oh, zone. No, no, yeah, literally the strike zone. That is his power. He can. So when when we're sitting in Connor, when we're sitting in the upper deck. And, yeah. and they throw the ball to strike. You know how we, we always laugh when people are like, oh, that was a ball because you can't see shit right. from up there. He, right. know, he knows. He's like, oh, that was he a knows. strike. He knows. Instinctually. That was a strike. Yeah. So it's just someone's like, oh, come on. He just goes, no, no, it was right. Yeah. Did, does he have to see it or can he just feel it? No, he can see it. He's got to see. He's got to visually see it. But he, can, he, he visualizes the strike zone. So, yeah. From any angle? From any angle. Interesting. He has Somebody to be at the game or watching the game, though. He can't, he can't be like in Cleveland and know if it's a strike in Boston. Oh. Like right. TV? Yeah, watching TV or being at the game, he can tell if it's a striker or not. Okay. So, And in fact, yeah. even more so, it's, it's a bit of a curse because when he watches a nationally broadcast game and they put that fucking virtual strike zone, he's like, they're full of shit. That was a ball. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. Finally, let's thank Darren. And this could be, I guess, applied to any Darren listening. Uh, Darren's power is that he has precise control over the growth of his hair. <laughs> Again, a window into our soul. <laughs> <laughs> any any body part, any 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 hair in his body, he can grow to any length uh, precisely. It's handy. It's a handy. Yeah, if he if he needs shoulder length hair for, let's say he's an actor, boom. All right, it happens immediately. Good. All right, so there you go. So but there... the thing is, he can also make his chest hair really long if he wanted to, <laughs> or not. Let's suck it back in. Can he suck it back in, or do you have to yeah, cut it? Can suck it back in. Oh, okay. Oh, weird. That's weird. I don't know where it goes when it goes back in, but he, he has, can do it. He has follicular reservoirs. Oh gosh. All right. So if you want a wacky power, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy and sign up there, and we'll be happy to give it to you because we're crazy. Um, all right. Now, time to hear from you, the listeners, Connor. What are we doing? So let's do an email, Lucas from. Nulingbach, Austria, says Bowen and Akira have done it. And this is related to our patron pick book. Bowen and Akira have done it. Scott Pilgrim and the Goon have done it. And this week, Box Office Poison has done it as well, a full-color edition of a previously black-and-white comic. This brought me a, brought to me a question. What's your take on such editions? Can, can it alter the perception, meaning, or understanding of the comic? Is it a way, just a way for a publisher to get the book a second life on the shelves? Have you ever read a colored edition which were, in your opinion, superior to the original form? We didn't really talk about the coloring when we talked about the issue itself. Right. So do you care? Does it matter? Are you excited? Um, I I come at it a bit jaded because I see it from the business publisher side. And I know for a fact that nine times out of 10, it's, it's a way to monetize the book again. 
They did it for Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, yeah. Although I don't have recall, a problem with that. If you recall, when the, remember when they had that colored segment in one of the issue, one of the volumes? Like they yep. just had like a prelude that was the we, opening. We all, it was the opening. We all the fell opening. over how how great it looked. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, there are going to be books that like that it works for. There are going to be books that it doesn't work for. There's one of the ones that like so take uh, a very a big influence on Box of His Boys and Cerebus. Yep. I don't want to see Cerebus colored. Agreed. I don't really care if they do it, but I don't think that would add anything. I think that, you know, the fact that it is what it is really made it. Or, you know, those original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm, I'm thinking about the stuff from when I first knew about what indie comics were. You know, they mm-hmm. were black and white. And it was really cool. And I, and I liked that. But then when they put out color editions that are, you know, going to get sold in bookstores, I don't, I don't care so much. Like, it doesn't bother me. What if, like, they colored bone? That didn't really... You know that made kids like it more. Uh, yeah, I was gonna to say that that made that made it more marketable for the kid for the for the younger audience. I mean that, and, and if Jeff Smith gets to reap the reward of that, great. Yeah, the youngening, um, the youngening. Bone. Yeah, there it is. You know what? It's funny that that DC have actually been doing like noir. Uh, they call it that. Like they yeah, did. They, uh, they, released, yeah. they released Watchmen with no color, yeah. and I was like, that's cool. I'm gonna look through that, and I started to, and then I was like, eh, yeah. I got bored with it. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I was like, I get it. Like that's the line art, or you know, like even the the artist editions craze kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's almost more interesting that way. I can't think of a version of it that's like offensive to me, where I was like, oh, they shouldn't have colored it. I look at it the same way as as films, like when they color black and white films. Like that seems I wrong. I don't need it. It's not yeah. the way it was made. Um, I don't know if you, you guys probably didn't see, but they over the break they did for some reason. CBS showed colorized versions of the dick van dyke show oh jeez! it was the <laughs> best their hands up i i, I don't know i don't it know. was the best colorizing i've ever seen of anything however it just felt weird yeah that's sure. For sure. like i've never seen colorizing that good before and i've seen you know i've checked about i just recently got a blu-ray of a movie i uh holiday and we talked about it on our patreon podcast and they did a colorized version of it and i watched it for about two minutes i was like nope this is weird and i turned it off i, I just i don't Tend to like colorizing black and white things to begin with. So well, yeah, really well, that, that, go, that goes back to the original, uh, the the colorization of "It's a Wonderful Life" that is just uh, uh, and yeah. awful. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I the film stuff is worse, but uh, I just don't. It doesn't colorizing something like this doesn't. I have no. I have no attraction to it. Doesn't. Yeah. So. I'm, more, I'm not more likely to pick it up. I'm probably less likely to pick. I it mean, up. I, I don't, I don't know, and maybe, yeah. and J- Josh, maybe you can tell us more about Alex's intentions with the colorized version of Box Office Poison. But I mean, I think it's purely just a way to. It's another set of skews that you can create on a title to, you know, to stretch out the dollar. So, I don't know. I haven't talked to him about it, but you know, yeah. I mean, like you've got this piece of property. How do I? How do I keep using it? I, I don't think it. I don't think it harms. It's been so long now that if that's what it takes to put it in front of new eyes and it can get some traction, yeah. I'm not going to fault any artist for trying to make a living by doing that. I know, know? Not at all. And I don't mean to say that in a bad way. It's just, yeah. It just, yeah, know, no, I know. Because there, there are some people who just will not read black and white. Yeah. That's true. Is that, uh, I remember that used to be a really big thing. I don't hear it that often anymore. Because, be, yeah, because how many black and white comics do you read? Yeah, there aren't any black and white comics yeah. out there. That, that, just that, print. Yep. In the I mainstream. Mean, when you were, like, it, it was there. In your experience, was there a reluctance to do a black and white thing at this point? Because it used to be fairly common. We, oh yeah, that's absolutely absolutely. When I was at Image, yeah, we, we, they, when they I was at when I was at Image, we would we would discourage people to do black and white. Right. I mean, that's just that. that and when somebody come back and be like, "Oh, it's black and white," I'd be like, "Long sigh." Be like, oh. Yeah. 
Because I could, because I could, because I could, yeah, you're, a, you're not Robert Kirkman. B, it's not The Walking Dead. But not, I mean, I, mean, I don't even think if Robert Kirkman did a, if Outcast was black and white, it wouldn't sell any better or worse. I think the, you know, The Walking Dead was the phenomenon that it was. Um, but The Walking Dead is an outlier. In right, exactly. Right. That's, yeah, that's, that's in, every, in every possible way. But, um, you know, anybody who, who you know, they, I, I, could t- I would take my sales estimates on a book and if it was black and white it's, it would slash it because it just, it's just not right. going to – and not because people don't want to read it because retailers don't want to take the risk of people not wanting to read it. So it's, it's – yeah. Yeah. So sad. Let's run, let's run a little long and do the voicemail because it's related to this. Hey, hey, fanboy. How you doing? This is Sean from Long Island over here. I'm kidding. I really talk like that. But I'm from Long Island. I got a question for you about special editions and CGI. Would you be opposed to going in and changing the CGI on things that were already CGI? For example, making Gollum look better in the original Lord of the Rings or doing something to change up Jar Jar. It wouldn't really change the movie. You wouldn't have to have Han Solo step over something that's not there because they're already acting against a ping pong ball. What do you guys think? Just before we get started, Ron, are you offended? Well, I was going to say, he's making a joke, but but the thing is, we all can talk like that, and we just have to fight to talk like normal, like how I talk here. Yeah, no, I, how he yeah, talks. I know. Yeah, I, know. Yeah, I, I mean, know. it just it comes in. This is what you want me to do about it. What do you want me to do about it, Ma? <laughs> so, I, I want to correct something he said real quick before it we get talks. into it. The, Han Solo didn't step over anything that was that they, they digitally moved him up and down. Yeah, he they digitally moved it. Yeah, yeah. He didn't uh, step over the anything on the set. The problem is that he didn't step over something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, let me ask you guys a question. Okay. When you rewatch Star Wars, which version do you rewatch? The despecialized? Right, the originals. Yeah. Yes. That's what I watch as well. I have a right. I have the special editions, I have the originals, and I almost never watch the special. Well, here's I a have... here's a question. When you watch the prequels, do you watch <laughs> I can't even finish it. All right, all right. I, I... I actually I have the Blu-ray. I have whatever Blu-ray they came out with, and and I deleted my the specialized edition by accident. So I still need the first movie again. I, I will. There is a certain point where I don't. I can spot some of the big ones, but some of the little ones I've lost track of what changed. Right. Little changes. Like I, I don't know for sure. I don't know the original one all that well. Well, it's funny. It's funny because when you talk about the special editions, though, it's like and Star Wars is a different thing too. It's, 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 it's a completely different thing. I, and I and I don't necessarily think you need to go back and fix Gollum. I think Gollum was fine, you know. Um, uh, but like with Star Wars, the thing about the special editions that annoyed me was that like adding more shit to Mos Eisley completely not needed, right? Right. And, you know, like overkill, stupid, whatever. The swoop bike rider, all that bullshit. I don't need any of that, right? In Empire Strikes Back, adding in some windows to Bespin, thumbs up. I thought that was I thought that was great. That it, it, it made it made it feel more cloudy, cloud city like, and all that. You know, because it it enhanced what the original vision was. Um, taking out fucking Yub Nub, awful. Okay, I, I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna have, I have one basic <laughs> statement is gonna apply to everything, and then we can carry on. Or in general. I'm against it. And for some reason, this is different than what I said about colorizing comics, but I think film's different. Yep. Movies exist partially in time and they are important because they showed us not only what things are like in the time of the movie itself, but at the time that movie was made and it's important how how movies were made then too. Yeah. And, and, And there's, there's a charm to that. That is every much part of watching that movie part, you know, citizen Kane is is famous for the way it was made as much as for what it was about and changing that is is 
a problem. Yeah, the, it's the, a big the way, problem. The, it's changing it's, history, and I don't like that. It's funny because the, you know, because like a, a look at a a roll of film akin to a painting. You know, yeah. and yes, and, absolutely right, and 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 maybe that's just us putting it on it, and like George Lucas's his, his response to this is like, well, it's my movie, I can do whatever the fuck I want to it, which is which is also true. It, it but, is, but um, but yeah, no, I agree with you. Like, it's that moment in time, and even like you know, just like over the break, well, you know, we watched Singing in the Rain, like a whole bunch of people did probably, um, and you know, there, there's a couple of bad cuts in Singing in the Rain that that, mm-hmm. that that are there because that's why they're there you know like that's what you know like in same thing with it's wonderful life there's a bad edit in in towards the end of the movie when he's walking in the kitchen when he's complaining about having all those kids and that bad cut yep. has been there for my entire life and if it went away i'd be pissed and there's yeah, also or, or, a, a out of focus scene in that yes, movie. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's it's just, yeah it's, it's the other thing history. that happens though is that when you watch the special edition of star wars now which came out 19 years ago that shit looks old. Yeah. And in a yeah. much worse way than the 1977 shit looked old. Yep. Yeah, the effects weren't quite there. Yep. Yeah. And so that's interesting to watch it when you say watch Jurassic Park because, like, oh, this is what they were able to do at the time. And some of it's really very good and some of it's not. Yeah. But the stuff in Star Wars, it stands out all the more now. It's Now it's like a digital eyesore in yeah. a way that it wasn't just because they changed it. It's just because it didn't age well. Yep. In the same way, so you're stuck with an even worse thing than you had. That's it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for your call, your email and your video or audio file. I don't know what's going on. I'm still <laughs> on break. My head. Uh, you can email us at contact@ifanboy.com, or you can also email us uh, audio files. A couple of you did while we were on break, and we're going to play some of those uh, on the show. If you want to get on the show, that's how you get into the conversation. Contact@ifanboy.com. If you haven't gone and downloaded our massive all-media spectacular where you can hear us opine more about movies and TV shows and books and music and all of that stuff, then make sure you go over to ifanboy.com and you get that. Um, you can also download our show on Rogue One, um, which was the thing that everyone was talking about up until a few days ago when then they kind of stopped. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to find any articles on the internet about explaining something about Rogue One, I bet you can do it. Because <laughs> it was super confusing, and I, if I didn't have those articles, I'd be lost. Whew. Well, I'm just glad that people read the uh, the 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 art book and then told me what happened in that book in the blog post. That was my favorite part of the Rogue One experience. So. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Here's why Darth Vader was in the bank back to tank. Yeah. I don't give- Anyway, um, and if you need even more podcast listening, uh, go check out uh, my new podcast called uh, Damn Fine Podcast over at damnfinepodcast.com where me and Tom Merritt are revisiting and reanalyzing Twin Peaks in anticipation of the upcoming season three that's coming later this year. And our most recent episode that's current on the feed uh, features one Mr. Connor Kilpatrick joined the fray. So, what? Uh, yes. What? Uh, what? So Connor, Con- Connor and I got to talk about uh, Twin Peaks. Our, our, li- our lifelong love of Twin Peaks. So we just recorded it. We do it all the time. Yeah, amongst just ourselves. In life. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so yeah, go check, oh, that, we, go check that out. Damnfinepodcast.com. And we mentioned earlier this month, if you're a patron, we'll have a patron hangout. We haven't picked the date yet, but we will soon. Well, once you have that, we'll be putting it out there on our patron page and on social media. You can hang out with us for an hour. We talk about nonsense. And then uh, Booksplode. There'll be a Booksplode episode this month. We do, uh, as it, because of the patrons, we've been doing an extra podcast every month. Talksplode and Booksplode alternating. Last, last month, Ron talked to Jason Aaron. And this month, we'll be doing a Booksplode where we talk about a collection or a trade paperback or an original graphic novel for however long. So that'll be coming later this month as well. So we look forward to that. Excellent. 
And you can get over to iFanboy.com. You can find this podcast, other podcasts, those other podcasts I was just talking about just a few seconds ago. You can go to uh, Facebook.com slash iFanboy and iFanboy at iFanboy on Twitter. I said iFanboy like eight times there. It was hard. Just keep saying uh, You can it. find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. And you can follow us individually at Jay Flanagan, at Ron XO, and at CS Kilpatrick, uh, both on Twitter and Instagram. We have that kind of uh, synergy going on there. Yes, I got a great series on Christmas trees going on on Instagram right now. You really <laughs> want to dial I, I look forward to it now. It's the best thing on Instagram every every January. So it's <laughs> well, what's, or well, starting Jan- the, the, the reality, yeah. So what's going to happen? I mean, the, the the reason why is it gets funnier like in March, and so I'm really curious to see because <laughs> San Francisco, I could depend on a good Christmas tree. I think the latest I saw one was like June. Um, wow. So yeah, so I'm really curious what New York City is going to give me now. So far, I've been getting clusters of trees, which is different than in San Francisco. So I'm, it's it's a great experience. So check that out. Um, but finally, if you dig this nonsense, you can go to iTunes and write a review about it and tell everybody how much you like iFanboy. Or best of yet, tell your friends, tell your loved ones, tell anybody. Go on Reddit. Tell people. No, don't do that. Uh, just go anywhere where people listen to podcasts and please help spread the word. We appreciate everybody who helps to do that. And we appreciate you for listening. We're locked in for another great year. We're very excited. Uh, for 2017 on iFanboy so thank you for listening until next week I'm Ron I'm Connor I'm Josh and I'm old